Well, good morning, church. Come on, come on. Good morning, church. I think I heard you guys on that second time, and it's uh, wonderful to be with all you guys this morning. It's wonderful for all you guys that are joining us uh, from home. It's, I was thinking about it, and, and I pretty much say this most times I come up, it's good to be with you, and it, it really is. It's good to be with you. It's good that you're at home uh, opening your hearts to worship today, to hear God's word, uh, to encourage each other. It's good that we're here uh, to do the same, and we're blessed because of that. We're blessed because we have this book uh, that, that we don't get up and listen to motion, motivational speakers every Sunday. Uh, if you came for that, sorry, you're going to be really disappointed. Uh, my name's Tim. You're going to scratch that off your list. You're like, ah, I don't want to. He's not that great at motivating me. Uh, but praise God, uh, we hear from his word every week. And then we have the spirit living inside of us. And by being together at home, by being together here, we come and our hearts can be lifted. And so that's my hope and that's my prayer today uh, is that that is exactly what God will do as we read his word and understand what it says. Praise God for that. Um, I hope you've been enjoying this Advent season. Uh, can you guys believe that we have five days to go until Christmas? Holy smokes. How did the time go so fast? It's crazy. And we even put our decorations up this year before Thanksgiving, right? Like we got into it, and I can't believe that Christmas is already here. It's this week. Um, I don't know about y'all's neighborhoods, but one thing that's been pretty cool about our neighborhood is, I guess it must be COVID, but everybody got into the decorations outside and the lights. People went next level in our neighborhood this year, which was pretty cool. Uh, one person in our neighborhood even realized our family's personal dream, and they went roof, right? They, they went next level, and they went roof, and they've got an airplane up there, and they've got polar bears. I don't know how the bears got on the roof, but they got polar bears up there, uh, Santa's sleigh. Like, the whole deal is going on, and uh, me and my neighbor tried to map it out, but this other guy, he beat us to it, and, and he nailed it, right? And Every, every night, um, we have a toddler, and we're always looking for things to do as a family because uh, they have endless and endless amounts of energy. I was with them this morning at 6. Next Sunday, maybe you could start your Sunday with me, come over to my house. It's, uh, it's action-packed. But we're always looking for things to do. And so every night, we'll take a stroll around the neighborhood, and we'll, we'll look at those lights together. And uh, right as we, and he'll call them out. He calls out all of his favorites. There's a helicopter somebody has, and, and he runs up to that. And then there's a snowman, not the one on the roof, but there's another one he's always like pointing out, and then he's seeing the roof house. And as we round the corner to get to our house, uh, somebody has a nice manger scene set up, and, and, and he'll yell out, Jesus, you know, in his really cute voice. Or if you're not a parent of a toddler, it'll be an annoying voice, depends on your perspective. But for us, it's adorable, right? And he'll yell out, Jesus, right? And we're super excited that, you know, he knows who Jesus, baby Jesus is. And we round the corner, and we get home and do the rest of our routine. Um, but thinking and picturing of that manger scene, that's what we've been trying to do these last couple weeks at Grace in this Advent season, is we've tried to take a look at that manger scene together and get back 2,000 years ago what it must have been like for the characters to enter into that story and what it must have been like for Joseph, what it must have been like for Mary. And now this morning, we're going to try and check out what it must have been like for the shepherds to see all of these things unfolding. And we're going to try to answer the questions, who were they? Who were these shepherds? What is it that they saw and heard? And how did they respond? How did they react? And so we're going to be turning to Luke chapter 2, and we're going to pick up the rest of the Christmas story there. But before we do, would you just once again turn your hearts to God and just pray with me that God would speak to us through his text today. Uh, and so let's just bow our heads and pray together. 
Heavenly Father, we just praise you and thank you for your word to us. And once again, I ask that you would just still our hearts this morning. It is so easy to dismiss things happening around us because of all the noise in our life and everything that our heart brought into this time right now. And so for everyone at home and everyone in here, Lord, we invite you to speak loud and clear and plainly to us in the way that you always do through a whisper. And so, Father, as we read your word this morning, would you whisper to our hearts the joy in the birth of your son and what it means for each of us. We pray all these things together again. And everybody at Grace says, amen. Amen. All right, so let's jump in. Luke chapter 2, and we're going to pick up in verse 8. And I just want to, as you're turning there, I want to recap for you a little bit of what's happening in the verses in the story of the birth of Christ right above it. We know that Caesar Augustus, who was the ruler at the time in that region, he was taking a survey. And so Joseph and Mary needed to return back to their hometown because of this survey that he was taking. And in Israel, they were living at the time in the northern part of Israel, which was lush and beautiful and mountainous, and they grew lots of crops there, and they had to return to Bethlehem, which was very much so like Laredo, okay? Now, I hope I didn't offend any of you, but I've seen them, and they, they pretty much look the same. It's, it's desertous there. And so they left this beautiful, lush area for Christmas, and they headed down towards uh, this desert region, and God had predicted through his prophet Micah centuries before that this is where the Savior would be born. And sure enough, God arranged things perfectly, so that's exactly what happened. And they get there, and there's no room for them in the inn. And so they're in what probably was a cave, right? We picture like a barn, but back then, there's a lot of caves in that region, and that's where they would take in the sheep. And it says Jesus was born in a manger. And so they're probably in a small cave in an area to get some shelter from the, from the cold and the elements. And it says Jesus was born. And that's where we pick up here. And we're going to read about the shepherd's part in this story in verse 8. And I do want to thank uh, pastors Jason Fritz and Tom Constable, uh, who really helped me to understand this passage and to just draw things out and share those with you today as well. So verse 8. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. So here we're introduced to these very familiar characters, some of our favorites in the manger scene next to the sheep and all the animals, the shepherds. Here's where they come out. And it says in this verse, they were filled with great fear. Now, it's a super interesting word to describe this in the Greek. It's this word megaphobic. And I'll leave it to your imagination what that means, right? They were filled, megaphobic. They were freaked out. They were in the middle of the fields, and all of a sudden, an angel pops up and starts talking to them. Imagine how you might have felt if you're just out in the quiet, out in the monte, and you're walking around, and all of a sudden, an angel pops out of nowhere, and all these animals, and starts speaking to you. They were terrified, right? And so these shepherds were terrified in this moment. 
But who were these shepherds? Well, we don't know a ton about these particular shepherds, but the Bible actually talks about shepherding and shepherds over 200 times. And so we know quite a bit about it. In fact, we know that Abraham, Moses, and David, some of our leaders in the faith, they were all shepherds. Uh, And what shepherds did was they went and they protected the sheep and the young lambs from wild animals that might want to attack them. And they led them to food and they led them to water. But we also know that it was a very dirty occupation, right? You're out in the fields amongst animals. We think animals are so cute, but some of you guys that have worked with animals a little bit more, how does a barn or a pigsty smell? It doesn't smell very good. And so what happened was, you know, it was a profession that was looked down upon, right? And some of us relate. Some people can, re- can look down upon some professions. It was a profession that was looked down upon. It says in Genesis that the Egyptians loathed the shepherds of Israel. You can imagine why. It was, it was smelly. And as God gave wealth to the nation of Israel and they started farming more and they started getting wealthier, uh, it's something that started being assigned uh, as more of a lowly task. And it was something that, you know, the people that did weren't always even trusted or held in very high regard, right? Because it was something you passed on to somebody else. It wasn't what the main person did, the main task. And so what's the message? What can we learn, first of all, from who these shepherds were? Think about it. The birth announcement of the Savior of the world, the biggest news that the earth has ever had, and who did God send it to, right? When we're sending out our wedding invitations, when we're throwing, when something big happens in our life, we think that the people that are most distinguished you know, are the ones that would take note of those things, right? So if the biggest news is happening, it's something the the president should be notified of or a king should be notified or people that are distinguished or famous. And who did God choose in all the world to send his announcement of his son's birth to the lowly shepherds? Why? Because Jesus came for all of us, high and low, sinners, He came for all of us. And right from the beginning, God the Father made it clear and known that he came for everyone, for you and for me. Let's keep reading in verse 10. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. So the angel comes down and says, I've got great news. Now, who doesn't love great news? I love getting great news. We all love getting great news. But in order to get great news, two things have to happen. Somebody has to tell you about that great news. And we have to be receptive to that great news. In order to be receptive, you have to listen, right? So I know we've got a lot of teachers in our church at home and here. How many times, teachers, has this ever happened to you that a student raises their hand in class and asks a question that you're thinking to yourself, I literally just gave the answer to that question. You were not what? You were listening, right? Or for all you guys that are married, uh, this may or may not be a situation that plays out in your house, right? But use your imaginations for a minute. How many times have you had plans for the weekend and one spouse goes, I, I don't know we have plans for the weekend. What are you talking about with plans for the weekend? And the other spouse says, I told you about that yesterday. And the other spouse goes, no, you didn't. You didn't tell me about that yesterday. And the other spouse goes, uh, yes, I did. You weren't what? Right. 
And I'll leave it to your imaginations which person that is more times than not, right? I'll just, I'll let you figure that out. But in order to get great news, you have to be told about great news and you also have to be receptive to this great news. You have to be listening. And so what were the shepherds told? Well, they were told this great news that a savior has come who's Christ the Lord. And I wanna drill in on those three words because we hear those, if you've been to church before, we hear, those are words we're so familiar with, savior, Christ, Lord. But I wanna go back to how those shepherds in that moment would have heard those words coming from the angel. So savior, take note, savior, what it means is the name Jesus, his name he was given actually means God saves. Jesus has the power to save from sins. Mark chapter 2 and throughout the Gospels, we're told that Jesus came and he is the one who has the power to save from sins. But not everybody wants that message because not all of us want to admit that we need to be saved from something. But the angel goes on and he says, this, this baby, this savior, this one who saves He's the Christ, and Christ means Messiah. And that meant that God was keeping his promise because also hundreds of years ago through his other prophet, Isaiah, he had promised that a savior was going to come. And this, this savior was going to be called Messiah, and he was, he was gonna be born of a virgin. And so Christ means Messiah. It means that he is somebody who is with us. So think about it for a moment. The Savior came down and was God with us. He was Emmanuel. He was the Christ with us. He walked and he lived amongst us. Hebrews tells us that Jesus was the radiance of God's glory, the exact imprint of God's nature. Now, the translation for this word imprint is, is one that we know, this word that's used in Hebrews to describe this coming down of Christ. It's a word that we know in Greek. It's called character. Jesus was the character of God made known amongst us. When somebody's a great character, what, what is it? Why do we say that? Like, hey, that guy's a character. It's because they leave an impression upon us. Character, if you think about it, it's also this word was a word that was used to describe the making of stamps or the making of coins. And, and what they would do to make coins, very similar to today, is back then they would take these two sheets of metal that had an imprint on them and die, and someone would take a hammer and they would smash these two imprinted pieces of metal together over another piece of metal and would leave the exact impression on the front and the back. I've seen a widow's mite, and, and it was unbelievable to see. If you remember the story in the Gospels of the widow that gave all she had, this little penny to us, right? She gave it in the offering, and, and I remember it, just, it was so cool, and I was able to see one of those because they're still in circulation today. They still have those. They're not being used anymore, but they're still out there. You can find them. There was a very common coin at that time. And it blew my mind to think this coin still looks exactly like it did in the time of Jesus 2,000 years later. Why? Because the exact impression was left in that metal and it lasts today. And so Jesus, he was the exact imprint of God amongst us, the exact character. That's why in the Gospel of John, 
the disciples go to Jesus and they say, Jesus, can you just, can you just do one thing for us? Can you just show us what, what the Father looks like? Can you just show us the Father? And Jesus just looks back at them puzzled, right? And he says, how, how long have you known me? How, how long have you been with me? If you've seen me, you've seen what? You've seen the Father. And so this announcement of Jesus coming down, it was that there was a Savior, and that this Savior was going to be someone that came down and showed us the exact character of God. And so we can read the Gospels today, and we can know exactly what God looks like because Jesus walked and talked amongst us, displaying the heart and the life of who the Father is. And the last thing that that the angel announces that this birth, who he was, is he calls him Lord. Now, the Greek word used there for Lord is this word kurios. And it's no coincidence that the author uses that word kurios there for Lord, because if you go back to first century, in the time when these shepherds were out, most Jews, their common languages at the time was not Hebrew. It was either Aramaic or it was Greek. But all of their texts in the Old Testament were written in their original language of Hebrew, right? It's, and so they had to translate them to Greek. It's like me trying to read Spanish. It's difficult. And so they had to find what was the word in the Greek that most resembles the word Yahweh, the name for God. What is the word that's going to capture the essence of who God is? How can we translate that? It's like impossible to do. And the best they could do when they translated it for the Hebrews back then was this word kurios. So picture yourself in the field, freaked out, right? Because an angel's there. And he tells you, guess what? Kurios is among you. They would have heard right away, this isn't just any old baby. That's the word that we use when we're studying the scriptures in Greek for God. This is God amongst us. So God is coming. God is making his entrance among us. And these are the things that they would have heard at that time. And so this wasn't just a baby. It was God that came amongst us. Let's continue to read. Verse 12. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was an angel, a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. Now real briefly in verse 12, I want to point out, he says, there will be a sign for you. And it's interesting, all of us can get a little lost in life because we are meant to have direction from Christ and Christ alone. And sometimes if you relate to me, like you're looking for a sign. One of the ways um, that we make decisions, my wife thinks I'm hilarious. So it's like not an important decision in our family. I have a little app on my phone that has a coin. I don't carry an actual coin. And if it's like something really important, I'll be like, I don't know, let's just flip the coin. We'll flip the coin and we'll heads or tails and that's where we go, right? Um, but sometimes there's bigger decisions we're trying to make and we're looking for signs. And God gave them this sign super clear. He said, hey, you're going to find this baby in swaddling clothes in a manger. Now, a manger actually means a trough. It was a feeding place for animals or food or water. And if you've ever had a baby or been around a baby, no mother wants to put their baby in a trough. Oh my goodness, are you kidding me? I mean, we brought Judah home and he had like royalty and we kept every sheep perfect and we slept next to him and tucked him in this perfect burrito thing, you know, that my, my wife mastered. And I mean, we, we completely cared for him and Jesus, because there was no place for him, once again, was born in the most humble of means 
Like, you're going to know this baby when you find him because he's going to be in a cave, in a trough. That was the entrance that our Savior made, making it so clear to us who he came for. And verse 13 continues and says, this multitude of angels appeared around them all of a sudden, praising God. So if they weren't freaked out with the one angel, they really freaked out. And I'm picturing like my favorite songs at this point, right? Like, have you ever been rocking out to a good song and it just has that moment where everything crescendos and all the other instruments come in? You're just like, yeah, this is it. This is my jam. This is the part. And you just want to play it over and over again. I mean, I can't imagine what that's like, but angels doing the music, right? And then you're in the middle of a field. That's crazy. So all these angels come out and they're praying. God and the shepherds are just blown away from this experience. Uh, let's continue here. Verse 15. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying there in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying, that had been told to them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. So we, we've seen and heard a little bit about who these shepherds were. We have saw what they were told and what they saw. And now let's see how they reacted. It says the first thing is that they went so they heard this wonderful news and they acted upon it and they went to the manger and they, they did exactly what the angels told them to do and they went and found the baby. And the second thing that we learn from these verses is they made known what was told to them. We call that in church giving a testimony, right? Or evangelism or telling your story, making known what you've seen God do in your life. They didn't wait they went and they made known what God had did in their life. And what's crazy about this, right, for us is that, okay, the shepherds, this is like the moment, right? This is Christ's entrance into the world. They got angels to give them their message. You and I don't get angels, right? Like I don't wake up every day and an angel is just there like, hey, Tim, this is what I got planned for you. And you're like, yes, angel, thank you. Um, it does not play out like that. It's very anticlimactic. Uh, sometimes maybe a hug for my wife, that's cool, but it does not play out that way. Um, guess what we get? We get a book and we get each other. But the crazy thing about a book is that it's so easy to put down. It's so easy to put to the side and listen to everything else. But the sad thing is if we're going to get each other, the only way we can really point each other back to the truth is if we got that book, right? Because if we're reading the book, we have Jesus in us. We know him because he made himself known. And we can make him known to others. And so two things, right? They acted and they went and told. And here's the last thing that we're going to see that they did. The text says that they worshiped. Verse 20. And the shepherds returned Glorifying, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus and the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. So the last thing they did was they lifted up the name of God. They worshiped God. Those are the three things that these shepherds did. And so that's where we enter into this story right now. We've seen these shepherds. We, we saw that what they heard, what they saw, how they acted upon it, and they told the story, and they worshiped. 
as I was reading this passage, as I was studying it this week, I thought, I want to I wanna be like them, and I want to be like Mary. Mary took the words that, the, that she was given by them, and it, the text says that she treasured those words, and she pondered those words. That word for treasured, it literally means to be kept alive by. Just picture what's being said there. Like she treasured this message that was given to her literally has the implications of how you would care for a child, how you would keep a child alive. You, you're constantly thinking about that child. They're always on your mind. They're always on your heart. You're always looking out for them, every little cry. She, she treasured those words. Those words kept her alive. Church, my prayer this morning is that as we're reading God's text, that our hearts would come alive and that people around us only because God's working in us and through us right now as we're reading his words, that we might breathe that life to others. Because that's the intention of the gospel. It's meant to give us hope that there's nothing and no one that can satisfy us like Christ. He's the only one that can come into our hearts and give us peace. What's interesting earlier in the text is it talked about peace, right? That peace to men. And, and it's not talking about inner peace. It's not talking about world peace. It's not talking about peace between nations. The type of peace that this is talking about is peace between us and God. So I want to ask two questions this morning. Have you ever heard this news before? Has your heart ever heard this great news? But more importantly in that question, not only have you heard it, but have you truly ever received it? Have you truly ever listened that the author of life, the one that made you, that formed you, that breathed into you, he has a purpose and a plan for you, just like Mary, just like Joseph, just like the shepherds. And oftentimes we're comparing ourselves to everybody else and we're thinking like, you know, my Christmas is lame or we're down and out because of one reason or another. But I promise you, church, not because of I say this, because of what the Bible says, that God knew you. He knew you in your mother's womb and he formed you and he has a purpose and he has a plan for you and he wants you to hear these words that the Savior has come today so that you can have hope. And if you are trying to find that hope anywhere else other than Jesus, it's never going to satisfy. And so my simple invitation, a little bit, I'm gonna close and I'm gonna pray. And if you're at home or you're here and you've, you've never said to Jesus, God, I need saving, I need direction. I want you. I just want to invite you to open your heart up and I promise you, he is going to take you on the greatest journey of your life ever. There are people around you in this church that can testify to that. And my second question and my last question is this. Maybe like me, you, you've heard this news before, you've received this news before, but I just want to ask church this morning, how's your heart? How's your heart? I read this passage again this morning and I'm not gonna cry right now, but I cried. Uh, I cried at home because I thought, I wanna have a heart like Mary. I wanna have a heart like the shepherds. I wanna live off of that news. Because if you're anything like me, life just happens and I just start relying on myself and I don't wanna live that way. I wanna live like Mary, I wanna live like these shepherds. I can't remember the last time that I really 
told somebody about Christ. Not, not from this stage, but I mean, just like I hang out with my neighbors all the time. I don't remember the last time I was, because it feels awkward. I don't know the last time I was able to be like, hey, I was praying this morning and just want to tell you about Jesus, bro. Like, but man, I, I want Jesus to be the best part of my life. And that's, I mean, not true because I pray with one of my neighbors all the time. We pray every week, but you know what I'm getting at, right? Like, we just get comfortable. I want to, I want to live upon these words. And so right now we're going to pray. And as I pray, I just want to invite you like me, just open your heart to God. Maybe for the first time and maybe right now for the right time in Christmas. So as this season rolls upon us, that Christ is the one that we live upon. Christ alone this Christmas season. Would you pray with me, church? Jesus, thank you so much for your word. There is so much there. Our constant guide in the dark. What a joy to read it today. What a joy to hear it. What a joy to enter into what it must have been like for those shepherds, those lowly shepherds so many years ago. And God, I praise you and I thank you that you came to save somebody lowly just like me. And that as I end this year and I begin another one, as I celebrate your birth, Father, that as I humble myself, God, I know that you want to lift me up You want to lift all of us up, Lord, in living upon you, living close to you. And so just like I share right now, I just want to pray those those two questions, Lord, for all you that God was calling your heart. I want to follow Jesus. I want to receive Jesus. Just speak to him right now, casually in your heart as I'm speaking. Lord, thank you for what you've done for me. Thank you that you didn't leave us a mess but that you entered into humanity and you came down and you lived amongst us. And God, may these not just be words that I hear today and that I put to the side, but God, may I be like Mary, Father, and help me to treasure these things in my heart and help me to begin this new relationship with you and help me to search you out and know you, Lord. Thank you for being my Savior. And Lord, for that second group, Father, God, we pray that you would light our hearts anew, that in all this hustle and bustle and this changing of the year and the celebration of Christmas, Father, would we live upon you? Would we be like the shepherds? Would we be filled with joy and praise and testimony? And if there's any sins that are weighing us down or aloneness that's weighing us down, God, would we just confess those to you right now? God, we know that there is no shame, there is no guilt that you don't overcome, We don't come here because we're holy. We come here because you are holy. And so God, may us appreciate the righteousness that you impart to us, that you give us. May we be set anew this Christmas season. We as your church pray these things together and we give you praise and glory. And everybody join with me and they say these things in your name. Amen. Thank you, church.